BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix, Rohan, Nadkani, and Chris Aaron. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I am Chris Mannix, joined this week, as always, by Chris Herring and Rohan Nadkani. Fellas, we are going to do a single-topic podcast, not just because it's the most interesting thing happening in the NBA right now. It is... One of the only things happening in the NBA. I I can't write anymore or talk anymore about Damian Lillard. I don't really have much of an interest at the moment in rehashing Dion, uh, sorry, uh, Draymond Green versus Jordan Poole. Uh, (laughs) I I just, I don't. I don't have it in me uh, at the moment. So uh, what I do want to talk about, though, is what's happening right now in Philadelphia, where the Sixers are in kind of a weird spot here. Right before free agency began, they learned that James Harden was going to opt into his contract and then request a trade. James Harden continuing to do some fantastic gymnastics with contracts where he opts in and says, I don't want to be here anymore. Usually you just opt out and say, I don't want to be here anymore. But there was no market for him, so he uh, elected to opt in and ask for a trade. Uh, The Sixers 
as I've written, have been canvassing the league for offers. There are nothing that come close to appeal to Daryl Morey right now. Uh, and now they may have a Joel Embiid problem. Joel Embiid speaking to Uninterrupted at the film festival they had last week uh, said on stage that he wants to win a, ch- a championship in Philadelphia or someplace else. Uh, Herring, we'll start with you. Embiid's comments, how did you interpret them? And should that frighten people in Philadelphia? Yes. I, I, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, you've already been hearing, like, when, when the stuff with Damian Lillard has come up and the Bradley Beal stuff, the Knicks always get mentioned as a potential landing spot because it's, you know, it's the media market that's the biggest... They're a team that, historically speaking, has always geared up and hoped that stars would just kind of fall from trees. And they actually, for once, have the assets to do it now. And when those names came up, Nick fans almost uniformly were like, we don't want those guys. We want Embiid. We see him as the next name that's kind of going to shake loose here. Because if you look up and you look at the team's history, the Sixers have gotten knocked out of the playoffs in the second round five out of the last six years. It's just kind of where they fizzle out every year. They haven't been to the conference finals yet with this iteration of the team under Embiid, uh, with Embiid. I guess he has not coached the team. But uh, in light of that, in light of the fact that, uh, you know, you could have expected a breakthrough. And, and, and quite frankly, if you were to flip a coin, I think in one of those six years, they would have made the, the, the conference finals at least in one of those seasons. You have the, the Hawks season uh, where they get knocked out in a game seven and Ben Simmons kind of takes the fall for a lot of people. You have the situation where Kawhi Leonard hits a, a, a three-pointer that bounces off the rim four different times for four seconds total. I get it that things could have played out differently. They haven't. Embiid has given probably what he feels is the best of himself. He's won MVP now. Uh, he's led the league in scoring in the last two years. He's had talented rosters around him. You've changed the coaches out now at this point. At a certain point, and he stayed healthy is the other thing. At a certain point, you probably feel like what else is there to do here? What other changes can be made? If you move on from Harden and still don't get there, you would say, what else can be done? At, at a certain point, he will want out, and that's fine. It was just kind of jarring to hear him essentially allude to that. And so it, it absolutely matters. You and I, Chris, have talked on this podcast about the idea of this year and what, what do the Sixers have to lose if they roll the dice with James Harden, who is – in a you know essentially in a contract year now that he has to prove himself he can't just go out there and 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 show his ass basically he's got to play he's (laughs) got to play for a next contract uh this shows what the flip side of that is it's like sure but it's a lot more marbles that you'd be putting down for james harden now in light of the fact that joel Embiid has in some way intended or not and i tend to think that he's smart enough to know that he probably intended to to kind of sound the alarm a little bit we all know that he's smart enough to know what he was doing he, he intended to. Rowan, uh, I, I cringed a little bit at Embiid's comments only because, like, the Sixers had a 3-2 lead on Boston. Like, yep. they were home. Uh, he didn't shoot the seven, last five minutes in, of that game. Yeah. In, in game seven, Embiid just laid a big fat egg against mm-hmm. the Celtics. So he's as responsible as anyone on that roster for the Sixers at least not getting to the conference finals. So I think that needs to be said, but... Uh, did you interpret that those comments as a warning shot at Philadelphia? 
I think so. I, it has to be. Like you said, he is very intelligent when it comes to these things. I know he tried to kind of have some fun with the comments on Twitter. He's like, I'm a troll. This is what I do. Nah, I never he, bought that. Yeah, I never bought no, that. Not, yeah. not for a second. He knows, he knows the impact of his words. And frankly, it's kind of a change of tune of what he's always said publicly. You know, he's embraced the idea of the nickname, the process, for example. He's always been about winning a championship in Philadelphia. It's funny because when you, like Herring alluded to this, when you talk to other people around the league, you talk to agents, whoever, he's kind of in like the whispers before the rumbling stage. I don't know what you call it, but he's kind of the name people talk about as that next guy. And sometimes you wonder if those comments are just kind of wishful thinking. Is this just people speculating? But more often than not, those people end up getting moved. Those people who are talked about, I mean, I know Harden didn't end up going to Houston, but think about all the rumblings that there were during the season about him maybe being unhappy in Philadelphia. Now he's obviously trying to force his way out. I mean, Joel Embiid's going to be 30 by the start of the next postseason. And I don't know that he can count on being fully healthy into his mid-30s with his style of play, uh, the the physicality that he plays with, the injuries that he's had in his career. I think both he and the Sixers – I mean, I don't know if the Sixers realize it, actually. I take that back. But I think he realizes maybe – that the clock is ticking for him a little bit, and the pressure has been turned up for him, especially in light of, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but how the MVP stuff played out this year, uh, I think that turned up the pressure on him a little bit. And you mentioned that game six, the last four minutes of that game disappeared. That game seven, terrible. I mean, uh, as good as Boston was during the regular season, we saw this was a beatable team in the playoffs, and those two big games, he didn't have it. So I, I definitely think Philly has to be worried. I also wonder because I saw you wrote about wrote about it this week. It's hard to remove kind of the Harden equation out of the context here because I think Daryl Morey, somewhat understandably, we're not going to move James Harden unless we get a great player or a package that allows us to get a great player. On the record, saying that this week in in Philly radio, I love Daryl's radio interviews. I love them. yes, I, I think every me too. GM He's, should be required yes, to do them. Agreed. Uh, let me put it this way. I, I may not always agree with Daryl Morey, but I love that he's. I love what he's going for. I love the vibes. But I if I'm Joel I, I have Embiid, had so many public, yeah. oh, not so many, I've had a few public <laughs> back and forths with Daryl Morey over the couple of years, but I do love that he engages. Yeah. I absolutely love it. For sure. But if you're Joel Embiid, you have to look at that. Is this a front office that's maybe willing to risk another year of my prime, which they almost did with that Ben Simmons saga, when I don't know how many top-tier elite MVP years I have left, I think that also has to be a factor for him here. I look, it Daryl Morey said, if we can't get something as that makes us as good with James Harden, we're not going to trade James Harden. I agree with that sentiment 1000%. Uh Herring, to your point, James Harden is not going to do in this training camp what he did in Houston because if he does, he's going to be either playing in Shanghai next year or he's going to be <laughs> chasing mid-level exceptions for the rest of his career. That's not what James Harden wants. James Damn. Harden wants... Well, he is. I mean, I wrote this, so I'm fine. Manic said, Manic no, said he's Chris not said, you're going to learn. get ready to learn Chinese, learn buddy. Chinese. He had that meme ready. <laughs> he, he I mean, said, that, look, Harden I, like, won't be reaching for the fat suit this year. It's what? <laughs> I, look, he, he, he will not be... No, not mention the fat suit. Oh, that was you. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. But he will... The point is, he will not show up at training camp out of shape or throw a fit. He will mm. not mail in mid-season games like he did in Brooklyn 
to get out because the stakes are just way too high. He has another year like the one he had during that abbreviated season, first season in Brooklyn, where he was for a while an MVP candidate. We're talking about James Harden as being uh, one of the top MVP guys. He has one of those types of years. There's a two or a three-year contract waiting for him at $30, $40 million a pop. That's going to be on the table. He has a substandard year where it looks like he doesn't want to be there and he's mopey. Who's going to want him? Like, Or at least who's going to want him on any significant contract? It's just not going to happen. So in the interest of, of in his own self-interest, James Harden is going to play hard next season. So if you can't get a James Harden equivalent or at least a package of players and picks that allows you to take some of that and deal it, you know, we're not going to talk about Damian Lillard here, but like one of those types of, of scenarios, unless you can get that, you don't do it because... If this current Sixers roster is is what it is going into the season, where would you rank them in the NBA? Like, no th- lower than fifth, I think. Because you look at the teams around them. Boston, as of right now, got worse. Uh, the Bucks are a little bit older. Miami, as of right now, got worse. Lost a bunch of guys in free agency. Out West, Denver, lost Bruce Brown. Lost Jeff Green, good rotation players, so you can say they took a slight step back until we figure out if Christian Brown and Peyton Watson are as star-spangled awesome as everybody seems to, to think they are. <laughs> uh, so, like you know, the Lakers, LeBron, a year older. Memphis, 25-plus games, or whatever it is, without John Morant. Uh, there's, a, there's an opening here. You've got yeah. Joel Embiid coming off MV, an MVP year. Tyrese Maxey is only going to get better. Like, it's not like Tyrese Maxey's plateaued as a player. He's only going to get better. Tobias Harris in a contract year, which matters. <laughs> C- contract years matter for players. I think he's going to be, be pretty good. Uh, and then you plug James Harden back into that mix. And for all the flaws with James Harden, the guy led the NBA in assists last season. 21 points, 10 and a half assists. Take the name James Harden off this. You want that player on your roster next season. So if I'm Philadelphia... Yeah, we've got some distractions, but we've got a GM who doesn't give a damn about distractions. We've got a head coach that won a championship with the mother of all distractions all year long with, is Kawhi going to go? Is he going to stay? Every city Nick Nurse went to, he was talked about talking about the one-year rental aspect of Kawhi Leonard. And you've got Joel Embiid who dealt with the Ben Simmons stuff as brilliantly as any player possibly could. He took the bullets. He was front and center. He handled all the media pressure. I wouldn't hesitate, Herring, to bring James Harden back if I can't get that type of package. I think the worst thing Philadelphia can do is trade Harden for some kind of poo-poo platter of expiring contracts and second-round draft capital. That, to me, would be the only way that Philadelphia could screw this up. No, trust me, I hear you. uh, And I'm inclined to agree with you that running it back is certainly better than, than just getting nothing for him, basically just giving him for, you know, a couple of nickels back. Uh, What I do worry about a little bit is ah, I don't trust Harden so much that like it's that he's like infallible, that he that he can't come in and and just kind of not give a damn. Like I I, I won't put that completely past the guys earned a lot of money. Over his career, it, it doesn't mean he doesn't want more. Yeah, but more. Chris, he he wants more. Like that's the whole thing. Like, oh, if I he, totally get it. If he didn't care about the money, 
He would have opted out and taken a lesser deal from somebody out there. He opted in because he and his agents looked around and saw there was nothing. The Houston option yeah. did not exist. The Clippers want him. They didn't have the room for him. And that's going to get more and more difficult with this new CBA strangling salary caps and Absolutely. creating these second tiers, second aprons that teams just are not willing to go into. Which is why, I, again, I think it's the 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 best option they have. I just I'm I'm not completely sold that he'll make good on it. Uh, which to some extent that's not their problem. But the biggest problem in the room is the one that we started with, which is what does all this mean for Embiid? And I, if it's from an injury standpoint that I'm concerned, because by the way, he and Maxi both missed a lot of time last year. Uh, I think Harden might have missed a little bit more than than Maxi did. That's a concern anytime somebody is kind of crossing that 32, 33, 34 threshold, which he's going to mm-hmm. do this year. So I'm a little bit concerned from that standpoint. Uh, but again, you, you don't want to trade him for nothing at this point. Uh, I would love to see them get something for him, but you can only control what you can control. You can't make a team give you a whole lot for him. I thought that they sat on Simmons too long uh, before, and it dragged they on They got the a season. lot back for him. I mean, look, they got, you know, I mean, yeah, they had to give up some stuff there, first round draft capital, but they did get, you know, a guy in Harden who at that time was considered, you know, a big star. I just, I just wonder too, a little bit, like if when you wait that long and again, like you, the other flip side of it is that you can't trade and get nothing for him. So I, I understand it's like, I'm saying you've got to kind of thread a tight needle here, but I, I feel like we've seen a couple teams the last few seasons now where you make these trades on the front end and and granted, like the Kawhi Leonard thing was a very rare thing. I think that's kind of what anybody is hoping for with the Damian Lillard situation. If you make a deal for him, that he's so good that even in one year you can see that you can reap the benefits from that. I just think it doesn't. It, 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 we've seen it with Durant now and other situations, Harden before, where you trade for a guy late in the season. Uh, it, it, it's difficult to really make that work. Uh, within the season. And granted, when they traded for Harden, that wasn't the pressure that they had. But I imagine that whoever trades for him, you know, if you trade trade him later in the year too, you're only getting a couple months of Harden. And so you're going to get even less back. So I imagine if there's not much on the table now, it makes me wonder what would be on the table later. And at that point, you're just kind of deciding to roll with them, which Godspeed. I, 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 again, I would do it, but I wouldn't be excited about it, particularly with Embiid telling everybody who will listen at this point, yeah, Philly or anywhere else. It's it's just kind of a jarring sort of thing to hear from a guy that, like you said, said all the right things when the Ben Simmons thing was happening. And so it just seems very, very like a marked difference at this point that he yeah. is speaking the way he's speaking. You know, one thing I'll say, Mannix, I thought it was you mentioned how Daryl kind of he doesn't mind the discomfort, right? He's not he's willing to ride out kind of these uncomfortable team chemistry moments. I will say you could argue to an extent that was a little bit of his downfall. Right, Houston, right, right out, right out. He's like Mel Gibson in Braveheart. He's running into them <laughs> like doing yeah, radio but, interviews. Like he is. But, like he's just. He's not I just agree, like hiding behind the scenes. He's just powering into them. That's true. But I mean, I think we saw in Houston, right? They had a lot of teams that made sense on paper, but then like James Harden and Dwight Howard never got along, and then James Harden and Chris Paul by the end of it uh, were bickering at each other on the court. Uh, to the point where that ended up being kind of a really destructive move for Houston when he moved Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook and everything that that happened for Houston since Mike then. Mike Tony's last year too. You know yeah. that whole situation of like floating the idea of what his contract would be if they won a certain number of rounds. It was ridiculous. Right. So I I, I agree that I you know I respect kind of his 
tenacity when it comes to that kind of stuff is willingness to accept the discomfort. But I, I do think that there's been times where it's affected the team to some extent on the court. And then I also thought it was interesting, you know, Maury mentioned, I think a priority for them also seems to be maintaining their cap flexibility for next summer. As of right now, they don't, they, I think they have maybe roughly 80 million on the books or something like that. Less. Uh, like factoring 75, some cap holds. That, that, yeah. 75. And that assumes that, I think that assumes that PJ Tucker opts in. Which right. he probably does. Right. Um, they got the Paul Reed contract now. Greatest contract. Um, I, that's a story right. for another day. Like how just like the, uh, how the NBA lets the Utah Jazz right into this a contract. Poison, poison. <laughs> that was absurd. That, yeah, that's you hilarious. have to make the second round <laughs> yeah. of the playoffs is just wild to me. Sorry. Um, yeah. I just I don't know if I'm Joel Embiid. I don't want to necessarily hear my GM talk about next summer's cap space mm. uh, as a reason for maybe some of the determination of what moves I'm making. And if you even want to like really take it a step further and start thinking about what Philly could do with that cap space, I mean, what are the free agents that are even going to be on the market next summer? Are they thinking they're going to maybe trade for someone into that cap space? So, I think that's part of it too. Like yeah. you, you could absorb a contract, uh, you know, give a little bit less back. Right. I think there, it gives you some flexibility and Daryl to his credit is one of the most creative GMs right. in the NBA right now. And that, that's why, that's why keeping Harden, Unless you can get something real back in return, like multiple first-round draft picks, a good young player, you know, Terrence Mann from the Clippers, uh, unless you can get that, what's what's the upside I, here? Because I, you know, I, I think Rowan, it's high risk, high reward, right? Like you bring Harden back, and yeah, he it could all fall apart, and it could be a complete disaster, or he plays really well another year together with Embiid and Maxi, a new coach who's going to unlock a few different things, I think, on them offensively. Uh, it, they could win a championship next year. I don't think that's crazy to say that team could not win a championship next season, at least on paper. And if it doesn't work, well, you wipe Harden's off contract off the books. You wipe Tobias Harris's contract off the books. DeAnthony Melton comes off the books. Some other smaller contracts come off the books. And you go into the summer of 2024 having both probably satiated Joel Embiid's need to compete in this past season and then give yourself... A whole bunch of options. Like, one of the Clipper deals I keep hearing about is Norman Powell. And Norman Powell's a good player, but he's got three years left in his deal. Like, I don't know if I'd want Norman Powell's contract on my books at $18, $19 million per season, which would limit uh, some of the things you can do. This is... I'd take a Norman Powell base deal from the Clippers. I really would. I I don't know. I, I think you could get two or three rotation guys from the Clippers. I also... We talk like Harden getting a year older, PJ Tucker getting a year older, as much as like Maxi may improve and Embiid may be great. Those are two major rotation players now that they're counting on in Harden and Tucker. They got a lot of miles on them. And we saw Harden. That, that have, means, Rowan, you're counting on Maxi becoming an all star because you yeah. like he, you have to have a second star. Like we can, people can point to Chris Middleton and say he's not a great second star, but he was an all star, has been an all star a number of years, and that was good enough opposite Giannis. If you're going to trade, James Harden for the equivalent of rotation players. Uh, you better hope that Tyrese Max get another gear into him that'll put him at an All Star level. I, would you, I don't would know. you make that better? Would either of you guys do that? Because I think I, I think he's going to get a lot better. I think he's going to get a lot better with the ball in his hands more. You know, I, I think I Harden's too. presence, while maybe while making Philadelphia really good, uh, it certainly limits what Maxi can do. Yes. Uh, overall, I, I'll I'll put it this way: Can Tyrese Maxi? approximate I don't I think we maybe collectively have underrated Jamal Murray or at least the chemistry that Jamal Murray had with Nikola Jokic and the factor that into the Nuggets success but when you look at the Nuggets 
this is not a stacked team, and I don't think Jamal Murray, as good as he is, people were looking at him as him as this kind of a bona fide second star necessarily head into last season. I think it would be a big leap for Tyrese Maxey to be as good as Jamal Murray, but I think if you squint, there's an argument to be made that Maxey approximating something what Jamal Murray is doing and then having a much better rotation around those two, you could argue you could build something of a Nuggets East if you're willing to make that bet on Embiid. Yeah, but don't you think that Maxey, or, or sorry, Murray was... Like, Murray was on his way to becoming an all-star before yes, the ACL. Yes, I agree. This was his yes, first year uh, yes. back from that injury. Uh, I, I consider him an all-star. Even if he hadn't made right. a team, I consider right. him an all-star. Maxi, I don't yeah. yet consider him an all-star herring. I think you got to bet big that's going to happen. I just keep circling back to, like, look, it's not like Harden's under contract for even two more years. He's under contract for one more year, and he's going to have a strong interest in playing as best as he can possibly play to make himself right. as desirable as he can possibly be. If there were, look, if there was a real offer out there for Philadelphia, they would have taken it by now. Like I had talked to executives that said they had talked to Daryl like just hours after this trade request became public. And he was out there looking for something of substance before the dust had settled on for agency. I don't think these offers are going to get better. You know, unless, you know, a Lillard trade shakes up the market so much that all of a sudden it becomes easier to deal him. I don't think they're, these offers are going to improve before the start of training camp. Yeah, th- that's the big question. And I mean, the other thing that we could ask, which, look, a kind way to put it, if you really, really don't think Maxi is capable of hitting some of what you're talking about, this coming season, next two, three seasons, maybe it's time to move off of him. And, and, and you know, I, we've heard, and, and Chris, you've been plugged into this, as it relates to Damian Lillard, it seems that other teams aren't overly involved in those conversations other than Miami because he's made it clear he really wants to go there. Dame's agent has made it very clear, like, we really want to engage with Miami and kind of nobody else here. They want to close off that conversation to make sure that his client gets what he wants. I don't even know if that, I'll be honest, I don't even know if it's, just to kind of add to that, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's Lillard's desire to be only in Miami that scares teams off. Just the contract's so big. Like, yeah, you know, like for too. example, if Very you're Boston, point. when Boston's had a nominal interest in Damian Lillard, like if you're Boston, you'd have to trade Derek White and Robert Williams, like just to get there financially. Like, I mean, you'd, yeah. ju- you'd have to do it. And that's, and every team has that same conundrum with Lillard. I really don't get, I, I don't get the sense that teams are just petrified that if they acquired Lillard, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't play. I remember seeing okay. some tweets. I remember seeing some tweets surface after Kawhi was dealt to, uh, Toronto, like the Kawhi, you know, Kawhi's team was like, I don't want to play in Toronto. I want to play in Toronto. Well, guys go and the guys play. Like that's, yeah. you know, 99 Dame times out of 100, play. that's how it happens. He, of course, he and would we play. know Dame would play. Like Dame, He's a gamer. there's no question there. He's a gamer. It, very similar to the Katie stuff. He, you, you don't go from being kind of deemed the most loyal player in the league to your team to all of a sudden you get traded somewhere else for a, and I, I've said this repeatedly, for a contending team and then not suit up, not be there, not be dependable. We know he would be. But my only point here is that if you're not convinced that Maxi can make the leap, which he averaged 20 a game last season, something like four and a half assists, and I think the biggest thing here, the the Sixers were something like 12 and a half points better per 100 possessions than opponents when it was Maxi and Embiid together and Harden off the floor, they were better in those situations than they were when Harden and Embiid were on the floor and Maxi was off the floor. They were good with both. They were great with all three. 
but I think you've seen enough at times to suggest that Maxie's ready and his numbers would maybe they, the efficiency wouldn't improve. And I worry a little bit about okay, playmaker. Uh, would he be the passer that that Harden is? Harden obviously led the league in assists per game last year. I don't think Maxie's quite there yet, but you have to just kind of trust certain things, just pace alone, and kind of just trust alone that if you get those rotation players back, yes, you're putting a lot of eggs in Maxie's basket, but aren't you doing that anyway if you're going to yeah. be giving him the kind of deal that he has coming? You're letting him walk into restricted free agency next year. You're you're going to be paying the guy very close to a max, if not the max anyway. Um, I don't mind if you make that gamble and, 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 you, and you trade for Lillard because you're going all in at that point. Embiid's got no leg to stand on from the standpoint of, oh, well, you know, Philly or anywhere else. At that point, you're you're going to be expected to win a championship. If not win, then at least make it to the finals. So I, I think there's that way to look at it too. But it's just, look, it's a tough scene at this point because like you said, the, the offers for Harden aren't going to get substantially better at this point, unless we hear about some off-season injury dealing with with one of these teams or something like that, this Lillard and Lillard and Embiid would be awesome. I've been saying that for it'd be for fun weeks to watch. Man. Like that would be. It'd be no like, Lillard and Bam. Let's relax. Let's oh, let's man. not get carried away. It'd be no Lillard, Bam, and Jimmy. Just desperate um, to get Lillard down to South Beach. <laughs> Just desperate. Look, that's we that's the, that's a great team, but. And I worry a little bit about swapping Maxi and Harden out for Lillard. How much better do you get? But I think in the postseason, you get a lot better. Because even though Dames doesn't have a deep postseason resume, like the games that he has played in, he's looked like a killer every mm-hmm. almost every single time. So yep. I would, I'd be all for that. And, and those two guys plus some filler. They're actually, I wrote this, six are actually kind of deep at the moment. I mean, signing Patrick Beverly, I thought was a good sign because you're going to get a defensive-minded mm-hmm. guy in that backcourt. You've got P.J. Tucker. You bring back Paul Reed. You've got a bizarre amount of centers at the moment, but you, you've got yeah, some, Bamba. some yeah. you've got some pieces Harrell, there. Yeah. yeah. You can uh that you can work with. We'll see. All right. We will be back whenever there's news for us to be back. <laughs> so that is our approach. Good, good way to put it. Yeah. For this yeah. pod during the offseason. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.